Welcome to Northern Goal, a football podcast from the Evening Express and Pressing Journal. I'm Ryan Crail, and joining me today are Paul Third, Andy Skinner, and Sean Wallace. How are we, guys? Good, thanks. Well, good, thanks. Yeah. Right, well, firstly, listeners, dear listeners, uh, an apology. There wasn't an episode of Northern Goal last week, you may have noticed, which were, I'm sure many of you were eagerly awaiting. Uh, circumstances got away from us, a few breaking news stories, press calls emerged um, on Thursday morning and as a result uh, we weren't able to do an episode but hopefully we can sum up anything we missed today as well as all the new stuff that's happened more Premier Sports Cup results to go through as well as first impressions on more players when it comes to Aberdeen Ross County uh, Inverness as well possibly, we've also got co-rangers Peterhead and Elgin to discuss as well I think we were discussing this in the office yesterday but we can't quite get a handle on how people are feeling at those three clubs at the moment, we'll try to get to the bottom of it over the course of this episode, firstly let's talk about Aberdeen uh, well, a a shellacking of Sterling Albion in midweek, wasn't it Sean? 5-0 by half-time. Didn't score a goal after the break, but also managed to get their new striker, Portuguese hitman, Luis Lopez, on the pitch. Or do we call him, I don't know what we're supposed to call him, do we call him Duke? Do we call him Luis Duke? What, what, what's the, the, what's the take? Gotta be the Duke, come on. The Duke, I would call him. The Duke, okay, we'll call him the Duke. But first of all, let's talk about the first half, because... I suppose an issue Aberdeen have had, not just last season, but um, in recent times, even towards the end of the Derek McInnes era, is finding a consistency every week with how their attack operates, being able to, you know, there's been a bit of an issue with being able to break down stubborn defences, having that understanding and um, a variety of player depth in attack, you know, that means every single week you can be threatening and you can score goals and you can create chances and you can break down teams that maybe come to just try nothing else but to not be broken down and I know it's the Premier Sports Cup but certainly at Sterling in midweek they showed that there's certainly a dynamism, a creativity in attack at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're very fast, very incisive going forward at the moment. I mean, it could have been so much more against Sterling Albion. At half-time, 5-0 up, I thought, could they even hit double figures here? That's how dominant they were. And I think for an indicator of how Aberdeen are playing, I would say look to the Christian Ramirez goal. It was absolutely superb. It was just one-touch football, so quick. So rapid. I mean, Liam Skills, a slide rule pass, which he is doing so often. What a signing he'll be if they can get him on a permanent deal. Um, Liam Skills slides the ball through to Johnny Hayes, runs on the first touch, bang, right across the goal, and the Mirez slides in. If they can produce football like that in the Premiership, they're going to bang in goals. Uh, and the, you've got a uh, Vinny Bejuin playing more a central role. He's, he was playing essentially as a number 10, a freer role, and he's relishing that, relishing being on the ball a lot more, being creative. Johnny Hayes and Matty Kennedy have been superb so far this season. I mean, I find it baffling that Johnny Hayes, the, the pace and energy he has got at 35 years old, he's, he's a credit to... To himself and an example to any young player how to extend a career and they are both looking fantastic 
Christian Ramirez, I mean, he got a goal. It's three for the season, but you've got the Duke coming in now and Bojan Majowski, that's him signed for Aberdeen. So, I mean, the attacking options are so much stronger than last season. I mean, Aberdeen last season were walking a, a tightrope, one one injury to Ramirez away from abject disaster. I, I couldn't believe they came out in the last transfer of the January window without signing back up to Ramirez. But this time, they've got so many options. And I, I'm genuinely optimistic. I was saying to, to Paul yesterday that feeling that optimism, but We've been there before. The, the proof in the pudding will be July thirty first at Parkhead. Yeah, but I did. I did say to somebody yesterday before we come back to the Duke. Um, I did say yesterday. Obviously, Celtic because of their involvement in the Champions League haven't been playing in the League Cup. They've been playing friendlies like every team does in pre-season. But Aberdeen have been shining, albeit against lower league opposition in their Premier Sports Cup group campaign. And I, I am thinking if. The way Bazelwin's been playing up against a, a match short Celtic defence in the first day of the season, could it be could it be a real sort of fireworks start to the campaign? Are we starting to get that? Um, as we, that as we're staying in the northeast line, calm dude, man. Calm dude. <laughs> <laughs> Just right, wait and see. Give me a buzz kill, Paul. <laughs> right, Lopez then. Sean, obviously the clip that was doing the rounds that me and Paul were watching yesterday. In the office, and I saw people tweeting about it. His uh, was it his first involvement in the game was absolute absolute carnage. He got away about three shots in about three seconds. One was a one was sort of like sclaffed off his the wrong foot. He then immediately flipped into a sort of overhead kick, which came back to him. He then took the ball down again and hit a sort of spinning shot off the crossbar. I think it was. But what about his general? What were the general first impressions? Of? I, I like to look of him. I mean, he was introduced at half-time for the Midas and he's clearly way short of match sharpness and fitness. I think he, he's only had three training sessions well, prior to that game in six weeks because Benfica hadn't returned for pre-season training before he signed for the Dons. But he, he looks very robust. He's physical. He's got good movement. I think once he gets that sharpness, he will score goals. Yeah, Jim Goodwin says he could play in a number of roles up top. And, I mean, he's not the tallest, so I'm not expecting him to have like much of an aerial threat. But I think his game intelligence and sharpness will be able to cause the problems. I think it's a, another positive signing from Aberdeen. But it'll be, a, it'll be a couple of weeks before he's ready to start a game and play for the 90 minutes. Since the last time we've done a, a podcast, of course, the Dons also beat Dumbarton 2-0 at Pataudry, I think in both those games, it'd be remiss of me, Sean, to not give you the opportunity to speak about uh, Ilber Ramadani's first two showings for the Dons. Uh, you've been impressed, I think it would be fair to say. Yeah, he's an absolute class act. I mean, uh, I went to the, the open training session for Aberdeen fans at Pataudry, and even then I was watching him, and I was thinking, I, I like the look at him. And then, in his debut against Dumbarton, I said, oh, whew, he's a real deal. Just a, a fantastic player. I mean, he's, his movement in a way, he can just create space in congested areas. He's passing, and he is an absolute leader. I mean, in his debut, he was bossing all the players around, putting his arm around them, telling them, you go here, you go there. It's just, 
I think he's going to be a fantastic player this season. And at 100,000 quid from uh, MTK Budapest, that is an absolute steal. I'd be very surprised if this time next year, we're not talking about bids coming in for him like 10 times that, like seven-figure bids. He's just a quality, quality player. And we've still got Majowski to see as well. Which well, I was waiting to say. Yeah, obviously we have learned this morning that the visa has now been secured and he's expected to travel to Aberdeen today, so signs are looking good. Jim Goodwin has already hinted at it, but signs are looking good that he could make his debut against Wraith Rovers this weekend. He's been keeping himself nice and fit, allegedly, um, with a, so I think it was two sessions a day, one on his own, one with a personal trainer. Um, but other news this morning, or other links this morning, the Dons have been linked with an incoming... Fleetwood Town winger Shaden Morris. Paul, you've been having a little look at him. Um, you're in the the embryonic stages of doing a sort of profile on him with his, his stats at Fleetwood, but is there anything you can tell us at this point? He, he's young. He's, he's, his first team opportunities have been limited at Fleetwood, I think it's fair to say, but he's... It's, it's funny because there, there isn't that much to actually gauge on this lad. Um he seems to be very popular among his own fans. He's he's rapid by the looks of it. Uh, likes to take people on. Whether the end product's quite there yet, I don't know. Um, but obviously, they've seen something in in the player to be to be looking at him. And if the half a million valuation is accurate, it's another signal of intent on Aberdeen's part if they're willing to part with that money for a, a young player like this who's got what fourteen starts in thirty one appearances for Fleetwood Town so far it's obviously potential they're looking at yeah big fee though um, so I suppose that's a judgement call that I don't have to make it's one for Dave Cormack it's just a shame that his name isn't Shaden Stockley that would have been, that would have been quite funny um, David Bates he's been linked with a move away from the Dons I mean the impression so far obviously in pre-season is that Jim Goodwin's first choice centre back partnership is going to be the new captain Anthony Stewart, who you signed in the summer from Wickham, as well as Celtic Loney Liam Scales, who Sean you obviously talked about in glowing terms earlier. But we are, given Liam Scales is on loan at the moment, I know they're trying to get him in a permanent. We are going to have occasions this season, big games this season of Aberdeen are competing at the end of the table. They want to be competing at where Liam Scales isn't going to be able to play, and they're going to have to be other left-sided centre-back options. So, what do you saw? What's the take on David Bates's current situation? Do you think he, do you think he will be um, one that the Dons are happy to let go, handshake, see later, or is he part of the plans? Is he one they're wanting to keep hold of? I would think it would be best for both parties if David Bates uh, transferred out or left this this summer. I think you just need to look at the last thirty minutes against Stirling Albion to see that. David Bates is unlikely to get a start, a regular start for Aberdeen. I mean, uh, Jim Goodwin made four substitutions and switched it around a bit, and he moved Ross McCrory into centre back. And it was clearly just to sort of work on things ahead of the Celtic game, where Liam Scales won't be able to play due to the terms of his loan agreement. But the fact that David Bates was left on the bench and he hasn't had any game time in the three games so far I think that's all you need to know about his uh, position in the pecking order I think the surprise emergence of young Jack Milne can probably be added into that equation 
He's kind of a midfielder now turned into a centre-half, obviously doing very well there, already rewarded with a new long-term deal by the club from the new manager. So where does that leave Bate? It's probably another step down the the pecking order. So I could see McCrory playing centre-half at, at Parkhead. If that's the case, then that does now lead to real questions about the future of David Bates. And, and let's remember, he's only 25 himself, Bates. He's 26 in October. He doesn't want to be sitting on a bench every week at this stage of his career. So, yeah, like Sean says, I think it would be in everyone's parties if he doesn't have a future as a first-team starter at Pataudry to, to go somewhere where he is going to get regular game time. I think David Bates is a very good defender, but, I mean... Like Paul said, at his age, he needs regular game time. And I just don't think he's going to get that at Aberdeen this season because Stewart and Scales will be that centre-back partnership going forward. There's no doubt about that. Final question about the Dons before we move on. Uh, Wraith Rovers are due an almighty scudding this weekend from the Tawdry outfit, aren't they? It can't be as bad as last year's game. <laughs> from sublime to ridiculous in 90 minutes. Uh, uh, it was... It felt like a sea change of that game last season, didn't it, Paul? We were both there. And we couldn't believe at the start of it how many changes had been made. And then it just, it was the start of the wheels coming off. Yeah. But the funny thing is, the first half, Aberdeen were really good. But you watched it going, they need more than that that goal. And what a goal it was from the, the legend that was J. Emmanuel Thomas, his one and only goal for the Dons. And what, what a strike it was, but... Yeah, the wheels come off, that is the phrase I had in my head as well. The second half was just shambolic from Aberdeen. And it was it was the day that Jack Gurr's Don's career died. Oh, no. <laughs> it really was. It was just, it was everything that could go wrong did go wrong. It was it was terrible. I don't, I don't anticipate anything like that happening on Sunday. I think it'll be a pretty comfortable win for the Don's. I, Completely different proposition with a rebuild and Jim Goodwin in charge. That was then. This is now. We need to look for <laughs> to look forward with optimism. Monday morning shock as lightning strikes <laughs> twice. Uh, anyway, let's move on, and in the next section, we'll discuss all the latest from Ross County and Inverness with Andy. Right, Andy. Ross County, another team who are. All but through in the League Cup. I think they only need. Is it? Am I right in saying this? The if they if they win at the weekend, we know they're through. Maybe just a point. I think they would perhaps them, need a bonus point to make sure of it. But uh, yeah, it depends on what Dunfermline do um, in in their last game. Uh, as I say, I think the bonus point would guarantee that they they made it through if they were to to draw against East Fife. Um, but it's a good position yeah, to be from, in, I suppose, going into the the last game. From reading your uh, recent Ross County. Reportage. It sounds like of the new signings, Kazim Olagbe. Am I saying that correctly? It, he he's the one that's really impressing. He seems to be getting in all the right areas, putting a lot of dangerous balls into the box, getting assists already. Olagbe has been the, the the standout performer for me. Um, I mean, I've been at two of the three games. I I wasn't at Dunfermline, but uh, you know, from coming on as a substitute against Bucky. Um, I mean, I saw him play at Brora as well, where he made a, a good impact and a friendly. Um, however, it was the the Alawa game on on Tuesday that that he really was the the standout for me. He gave Alawa's right back a torrid time just with his trickery and his pace, his willingness to 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 sort of turn inside and and look to to get crosses into the box. Um, and one of those produced the the goal from which Josh Sims opened the the scoring. Um, 
So I, I suppose at, at an early stage, we're looking at a, a Ross County, um, you know, a, a, a kind of new look attacking unit that they've had to assemble given players that have departed. So it's it's going to take a bit of time, I suppose, to, to see how, you know, who, who get, gets those spots on a regular basis because they do have competition for places in, in that area. But already starting to see signs of um, encouragement there given, you know, we've seen in the last two games two two crosses resulting in two goals, one for Jordi Hawula and, and, and then Josh Sims on on Tuesday. Uh, Sims, another player that, that's impressed me any time I've seen him, uh, albeit quite quite limited opportunities I've had to, to see him in action. But, uh, you know, I, I do get the sense that he's going to be a, a really big player for, for County this season. So, no, it was, you know, a hurdle that they overcame on Tuesday. Uh, they, they scored early on. And obviously, Aloha had the, the penalty opportunity, which could have made things a little bit edgy for them. But uh, well done to, to Jake Eastwood on saving the penalty on his debut. Wasn't the best of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think his, his own comments on the save uh, summed up perhaps the quality of the penalty. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't Connor Salmon's best effort, uh, most uh, vicious no. effort either. It was very... It reminded me of a, a penalty that I took myself in a amateur football penalty shootout at one point. No conviction, no conviction at all. Uh, th- this weekend, they obviously their final group games at home to East Fife is the one thing they're really missing. I know Malky's been making a lot of changes and stuff, even at half-time in games and things like that. But is the one thing that would really tee them up, like Aberdeen ha- had the other night, is you know like really putting the sword to one of these lower league teams because they haven't quite done that no, yet. No, it was late on before they, they got the second goal um, against Alloa on Tuesday and I mean they, they actually had to, to weather a fair bit of pressure from Alloa towards the end of that game just naturally with it being 1-0 the Wasps were kind of pushing forward and they, they didn't create anything that amounted to a, a serious goal threat but uh, you know the two centre-halves Jakoviti and Baldwin certainly had to clear a, a lot of headers and balls into the box so um, you know they, they would rather not be in that position come the, the latter stages of this this game on Saturday and uh, you know if they can get themselves into a comfortable position uh, which is the way the game looked like it was going on Tuesday I have to say before the before the penalty um, you know that would certainly act as a, a good confidence boost for them particularly if some of the you know the other new signings get themselves on the, the score sheet as well it might be the first chance to see William Akio in action as well. He was in the stand on Tuesday, so the you know there could be a, a you know a debut for for him this weekend, uh, and you know there's there's others that will be keen to to stake their claim as we we move closer to that uh, that Hearts game. Important Ball question: Important. Is, is it William or is it Willie? Because he seems to call himself Willie on Twitter. This Maybe is the questions just... we need answered. Andy. Aye, I think we're speaking to him this afternoon, so I'll uh, <laughs> I'll test the water with that one. It might just be his way of uh, endearing himself to the uh, the Dingwall public by <laughs> going by the name of Willie now that he's made the move. But for for those who don't know Ross County, he, he to be fair to Willie or William Arcio, he's got plenty of goals on YouTube. He's got his own YouTube, but he's got plenty of goals on YouTube that are pretty pretty good goals, a lot of powerful running, sort of composed finishing. But I suppose that the the move is probably already in the works by the time his uh, most famous uh, footballing moment took place, which was clearing the ball off the opposition 
like right off the opposition goal line, famously going viral. I think it was what about only about a week before Ross County signed him. Uh, which uh, I mean, I was even listening to the Athletics Football Clichés podcast last night, their most recent one, and Willie Macchio's move to Ross County was even brought up on that um, because because of his notoriety around that incident. So I'm, I'm fascinated, Andy, to hear what he's got to say. But surely Ross County. Surely Ross County have got a player here that isn't just a, a YouTuber with a, a famous mistake. Under it the seems as if, um, you know, just from gauging social media that, uh, you know, there is excitement about what he can bring given, you know, the progress he's made in his career. He's only 23, I think, and um, he's come off the, the first 12 months of his professional career after a lot of success in the in the college system, I think, uh, in, in Canadian uh, soccer to begin with. And, I think he played a wee, wee bit of football in Texas as well prior to making the move to Valour where um, he's made a big impression in a short space of time. Um, so it looks like one that County have kind of been keeping tabs on for some time now and, uh, you know, based on his, uh, yeah, that power and, and energy that he's shown allied to, you know, a good goal threat, you know, people are, you know, genuinely excited about him. Uh Obviously, the the miss is clearly going to be the the eye catcher, and uh, it's impossible not to be. It's it's the worst one I've seen. I think uh, I thought I'd seen it all after Iwolumo, but uh, uh, at least he's got he's out got of system. Out of system. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll see how he explains it uh, this afternoon. But yeah, no, it, it does look like a a player that can can offer County something and. Uh, clearly, a, a lad with a, a lot of confidence as well. Um, just you can tell by his demeanour with his YouTube channel and, and everything as well that you know he's he's clearly got a lot of ambition as regards to to trying to make his his name in European football, which is you know becoming quite a a common theme for for players. Uh, you know, over on the other side of the the pond, uh, you know, we've seen Aberdeen take players from America, and now with uh, you, you know this Canadian link that Ross County have, have picked up. The you know the opportunity for players to come over to Europe and make a name for themselves seems to to be quite a, a, an exciting one, which you know hopefully they can reap the benefits of. You mentioned the Dons there, Andy. I was just sorry, I was just going to say I know it's different budgets at play between Aberdeen and Ross County, but how refreshing is it this summer to see so many new faces coming in to the clubs on on, on our patch in the in the P and J and Evening Express Heartland? It's it's fascinating to see all these new characters that we haven't really seen before. We know very little, we're all digging into the web and trying to track down people to, to talk about them. It's It gives you a genuine sense of excitement and anticipation of what lies ahead because it is such a step into the unknown for these players, for the clubs and for us covering them. Very much so. It, it's something that you know we've not had too much of in, in recent seasons. Um, I mean, go back to the the sort of the early millennium time. I guess Aberdeen were were maybe you know delving into quite a lot of uh, y- you know markets overseas to to bring players in. But I guess with the way finances kind of went in Scottish football, that that became less of a, a thing. Um, but no, I, I I found myself really intrigued as to you know what some of the the players from further afield can bring. It, it just brings that yeah you know, that different factor really with. Uh, you, you know, looking at how players are are going to to settle, uh, clearly as well. You know, if they've got a bit of personality to them as well, then you know it, it just bodes well for for you know press uh, briefings and uh, and what they can 
do to to sort of imprint their their personality on the uh, you know the Scottish game as well. Um, Andy, let's move on to Inverness then. I think um, pound for pound for me of our teams, they've had the best League Cup campaign. They've obviously taken a Premiership scalp. Um, in many ways, it bodes really well because the they obviously didn't have the greatest League Cup campaign last season and went on to have a brilliant start in the Championship. So, I mean, you'd hope it wouldn't have the opposite effect. You know, this time around, you don't you'd hope that it just means they'll have an even better start to the Championship season the way they've been going. That's that's certainly the the hope. I mean, you, you certainly you would want to go into the prem, uh, the championship uh, kickoff uh, fresh from a successful uh, Premier Sports Cup campaign. That that's certainly the 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 aim. I mean, Cali Thistle last time around um, had all, already been eliminated by the time they they came to play their fourth game, which was down at Tynecastle, uh, and there were big question marks over the way they were defending in games. I saw them being ripped apart by Cove um, at the Balmoral in a midweek game um, before they they went to Tynecastle and they lost 1-0 but you know there were signs that their defence had improved an awful lot uh, and I suppose it gave them something to to build on going into the um, you know the championship campaign but you know if they were to to be fresh from you know going through Potentially winning all four games in doing so. If you know, it's it's a tough game they've got against Cove on on Saturday. I know Cove came off a sore one against Celtic the other night, but I, I would see Cove as being a team that will be desperate to to lay down some sort of marker uh, against a fellow Championship side you know, ahead of their their debut in that league uh, next Saturday. So you know, it's a big big order for Inverness to to go and and, and get the clean sweep. But uh, you know, just given. The way that they've managed to, to finish off some of these games, as you say, a Premiership scalp in there as well, uh, a difficult game against Kelty and and then a, a reasonably straightforward win over Albion Rovers the other night in which they were able to rotate their squad a bit and bring some younger players on in the second half looks to me like a, a, an ideal way to, to build into that, that opening game next, uh, next Saturday. Yeah, Livingston's certainly not an easy place to win, as we know, as people that watch Aberdeen and Ross County in the top flight. Anyway, you've touched on Cove there, Andy, so we'll have a short break and then we'll come back to discuss Cove's less rosy campaign in the Premier Sports Cup. Okay, Paul, I suppose Cove's um, first couple of results in the League Cup, the result that they'll really be disappointed with is the the 3-2 result to Kelly Hearts, wouldn't they? Because I mean, that is a team that's you know, the league below them. They're a the team that's you know, in many ways, following the Cove template, having come up from the Lowland League after Cove came up from the Highland League. And you know, as you build in your first championship campaign, you don't want to be two games away and getting criticised by your manager for your decision making and not making you know, not taking um, the initiative in one v one duels against a team that's the league below you. Do you? No, um, it's interesting to me. I'm, I'm, I have to stress, I'm on the outside looking in at Cove a, a little bit here, but I do get the impression that they haven't quite got up and going yet. Um, they were disappointed to lose to Livingston at the weekend when they'd played against 10 men for so long, and I think that was maybe still lingering a wee bit over the, the team on Tuesday. And, and as you touched on, Ryan, Kelty, like Cove, are ambitious new faces in the SPFL, and to use the analogy, they gave cover. Cove a, a bloody nose 
in their trip up there because they don't lose too many at Balmoral Stadium. Um, it was a very good result for Kelty and uh, a real dagger in the hearts to a Cove team that was at that point having aspirations of well let's go to let's get a result and then we can go up to Inverness on Saturday and it's all to play for with a chance of going through and, and now that chance is gone it's a sore one in so many levels for, for Jim McIntyre and his players as, as is the big theme of this podcast yeah no shame in losing to Livingston um, or you know we know Livingston are a, a tough nut to crack but to come away with yeah potentially going into the Inverness game having only got that 2-1 tight win over League 2 Albion Rovers I think Cove would have hoped for more does it feel to you like maybe Cove I know I know. The, the, I think part of the problem is obviously their their rebuild last summer or their, their signings last summer were of such a um, such quality and then Mark Reynolds you know coming in in January as well a lot of big names coming in but it's meant that this signing they may, this summer they maybe don't need to make or feel they don't need to make a big marquee signing, but I think there's maybe like a psychological element, isn't there? Like it feels that like they haven't brought in that sort of like big name this summer to sort of I don't know boost the morale before the championship campaign. But perhaps I mean, but but what is a marquee signing if you're you're going into the championship? I'm not sure. Is it an ex Premiership player? Well, they've got them already at Cove. Um, it's it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of experience in this Cove Rangers squad, especially at the back. He likes a Shea Logan, Mark Reynolds there. But maybe it's actually younger legs they need in the team. And, and that's maybe the wrong word I'm using to say younger. But I maybe mean it's just a little bit more pace injected into the side. Uh, Harry Mill was such an important player for Cove in terms of how they played under Paul Hartley since joining the SPFL and I think maybe they're still readjusting and refining how they're going to go about in their style of play now that he's gone to Partick I mean it's still early days um, and actually if you take a step back as, as sore as the midweek result was against Kelty it's maybe actually a good thing for this Cove team because clearly following three fine campaigns since joining the SPFL from the Highland League, they're not going to have that same dominance that they've had in the last three campaigns in the Championship. Saturday's trip to Inverness, Carly Thistle, is going to be a nice little appetiser, if you like, of what lies ahead for Cove. There's going to be some really tough afternoons where you're going to need that experience. And it's coming back to that pace. I think having someone who can very quickly transition from you're on the back foot to the team's breaking down the park and sticking the ball in the back of the net because they've got guys that can put the ball away but do they have that transitional player that can very quickly switch defence to attack for them that's what they're, they're looking for in my view I suppose we'll, we'll be sitting here next week um, and you know it could have all changed the whole mood around the, both teams Cali Thistle and Cove could have all changed if you know it goes the way we're perhaps not expecting it to go in Inverness on Saturday, so we'll just you know, we'll wait and see. I suppose we, we still have Peterhead and Elgin to discuss. Um, Peterhead's Jim McAnally staying upbeat despite their latest loss, which was a 2 0 home defeat to Dumbarton, um, included a sending off for Paul Dixon, I think he thought was quite harsh. But that came after their 6 0 loss to Championship uh, Wraith Rovers, which was obviously a midweeker, I think they were short-handed as they've been at the start of the season in general. Um, which, but it seems like they're, they're still pretty relaxed. It's hard to get a gauge on how, similar to Cove, hard to get a gauge on how Peterhead are going into the new league season because we're still waiting to see all these players come in. It feels like their opinion is if they get these new players in that 
you know, it'll be a lot easier for them. They'll start to play better. They're getting mistakes out of their system as well. Yeah. It's that, yeah. Kind of, that kind of mood, isn't Listen, it? Listen, it's Jim McAnally. We've all dealt with Jim McAnally. He is very relaxed. He doesn't, uh, he's not the type of guy who's going to get carried away or two down in the dumps after a couple of good wins or, or bad results. Um, but yes, squad depth is the biggest issue f- uh, facing the blue tune at the minute. And, and to put the Wraith result in context, remember that's just come a few days after a part-time team having a really tough shift on a Sunday afternoon and against the Dons, remember. So they're, they're then going from that down, down to play a tough game against a, another team that is pretty much full-time, I think, Wraith. And it's it's just, it's hard. It's it's a hard shift for a Peterhead team that just doesn't have the bodies to make that changes. And then you mentioned Paul Dixon. Getting him sent off doesn't help when you're experienced guys. Ryan Strachan is still just coming back from uh, that surgery on his feet. So he's another important guy for them when when they're up and running. And there's been a lot of change there from last season. Uh, As we've seen, there's a few gaps still needing to be filled. It's proven very difficult so far, not just for Peterhead, but for a lot of clubs in the lower leagues to to get players in this summer. But look, Peterhead are notoriously slow starters. We know this. It's a big season ahead in what will be a fiercely competitive League One. And while... There might be some short-term pain, I think, ahead in August. Let's review their prospects when the window's closed and we see who they've actually got on board. I, th- I think there'll be a lot healthier position come the 1st of September than there are on the 21st of July. I mean, this this group stage of the, the Premier Sports Cup is is normally kind of considered a you know a real benefit in terms of preparing for the, the new season. Most clubs you know, really feel like they get a lot out of it um, You know, when they look at it in the context of preparing for for the new season in in the league but you know this situation does show how difficult it can be particularly when lower league clubs uh, aren't able to field the the trialists in their their team um, because you know that could maybe force their hand if if they feel like they need to to rush getting bodies through into the the squad to to boost their numbers then you know they might end up with players on their hands that uh, that they don't particularly need come a later stage in the season, uh, you, you know, you've got to be careful with who you're bringing in when you're operating with a budget like you are at that level. Um, I think Elgin did that a few seasons ago. They they brought in a few players on two-month contracts that uh, invariably all uh, ceased to be at Borough Briggs come September. So, uh, you know, it's a very difficult balance to, to strike and uh, that that's why it's, you know, maybe a, a wee bit premature to, to start predicting you know how Peterhead will fare in, in League One based on how uh, difficult it's been for them in this group stage. As plenty of managers have at the, the lower league level have um, talked about I mean you wouldn't want to cheapen the competition would you with the inclusion of trialists you would much prefer teams turning up to games against sides two divisions above them with 11 or 12 players. We'll see how Peterhead get on against wounded Sterling Albion this weekend they've got to travel down there to close out their group campaign, Elgin City defeats St Johnston uh, no shame in that Paul you were there, um, they would have wanted to do better than they did in the 4-0 defeat against Aloha Athletic um, in the previous uh, League Cup match day, but I mean it sounds like you it seemed like you were pretty impressed with the amount of threat they showed against the Premiership outfit um, in their last outing, Kane Hester particularly speedy yep, um just to, cl- just to correct you though, Ryan, it was Annan, wasn't it? 
at the weekend. Oh, Zanin, no, sorry, oh, sorry. You're me getting all excited. I'm thinking, they oh, no. They start with A. <laughs> they start with A. That's my excuse. Yeah, that's it. Um, I didn't see the Anning game. I can't comment too much on what happened there, but I was told um, from the guys I was speaking to up at Borough Briggs on Tuesday that they had their chances at Galabank and, and just didn't take them and were punished. And I think that happens when you go down there. Um, it was a similar story in many respects against St. Johnson. A Premiership team going there is going to dominate possession. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. But in terms of chances, Elgin had plenty on the night. They could have been level, if not ahead by half time, as Jim Weir said after the game. The assistant manager, and I wouldn't disagree with him in that uh, respect at all. And for them to be 4 0 down with 20 minutes to play wasn't an accurate reflection on the game and the chances that they actually created. The late couple of goals were ultimately consolation efforts but it was no less than what Gavin Price's team deserved for what they put into it and, and you mentioned Hester um, I haven't seen a lot of Kane Hester but I couldn't work out if the Saints back three are just that slow or Hester is that rapid but his pace and Dylan Lawrence up alongside him too to be fair really really gave the Saints back three an uncomfortable night Andy Considine included in that um, I'd say it was the St Johnston coaching staff who probably left with more food for thought afterwards, given how easily Elgin with Hester's pace got in behind him. Time time after time, used a ball down the flanks and they were in. Uh, Lawrence and Hester were always a threat. They were really direct. And I think if, if Elgin can get that supply right, Hester is going to be such a key guy for them this season. We, we, we know that he... They missed him so much last year when he was. He just he never really seemed to get match fit and, and, and up and running. They're trying to be careful in, in getting him there this year. And uh, I, I think the signs are, are more encouraging for Elgin than it might look on paper, I think, when you factor in also this first game down the air where they had a draw but ended up having to take a 3 0 for a bit of a paperwork wrangle, shall we say. Yes. Um, which, they, which they were pretty, um, I don't know, they admitted their mistake. And we moved on. Uh, very optimistic, I think. Elgin is is the kind of I know we've talked about trying to get a feel of Peterhead and Cove, but it does feel like Elgin that you know they they could be starting the season in in good spirits this time around. Obviously, last season didn't go so well for them. But yeah, that concludes I think this week's episode of Northern Goal. Thanks to Paul, Andy, and Sean for joining me. Cheers, guys. Welcome. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. If you've liked this episode, as always, you can subscribe to Northern Goal on your favourite podcast app you can email us any questions or queries at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk and enjoy the football whichever games you're watching this week cheers hope you loved the episode and if you did we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.